Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Utah's got USC's number. There's no way around it. And USC fans, I, you know, they're, they're all mad at me because I'm picking Utah to win this game. I'm picking Utah to beat USC because part of it is I've just seen Utah do it so often. And, yes, I know Cam Rising, all of that. But I, I just I look at what Utah has done recently in meetings against, uh, uh, against USC. And I can't help but think that, you know, Pac-12 championship game, that 43-42 game in Salt Lake City, and then even in 2021, yeah, it's three in a row for Utah. Utah trying to make it four in a row. Josh Newman, he is the best on the beat. You can read his work at ksl.com, and he's joining us now. Um, how you doing, man? John, I'm well. Uh, let me first say I apologize if you hear a small child in the background screaming or, or blabbering. I have my man with me here, so... We're just going to have to deal with it, I think. <laughs> yeah, you know, one time I uh, I had a farmer call in, took a call, and he had a goat in the background, and we just rolled <laughs> with it, man. Just roll with All it. Right, we, do it man. we could do it. Um, it. Hey, so uh, give me an idea. Um, this this matchup, Utah-USC, there just seems to be something extra in it for Utah all the time. Am I reading that wrong, or do you feel like there's just something extra there when they play USC? No, no, I think that's, you know, I think that's right on. Uh, I essentially wrote that this morning um, on KSL.com that this is not, this is never just your average regular season game. Uh, When Utah plays USC, it feels like something more. It feels like there is something at stake. Uh, It feels like you're in for something, you know, above average. And look, this game on Saturday night at the Coliseum, it doesn't have the hype and it doesn't have... The, you know, the big stakes that the two games last year had. But even still, you know, USC with one loss, fighting for its college football playoff life, essentially, uh, trying to stay uh, tied atop Pac-12, there's something at stake there. Um, if Utah can win this game, uh, its season begins to take on a different tone. If they win this game, anything is possible. Now, if you lose this game, that's two conference losses, and you are essentially dead in the water in terms of getting back to the Pac-12 championship game. So, again, not the not the gigantic stakes of a Pac-12 championship game, but certainly uh, storylines, intrigue, uh, things to pay attention to. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to covering this game. Again, from a media standpoint, from a beat reporter standpoint, this never feels like just a regular game. And, you know, and that goes for this particular game on Saturday night. All right, last season they played twice. I was there for both games. I was in Salt Lake City to see that great 43-42 game in mid-October. They meet again in December. Very different game. USC at the beginning of that game looked like they were going to run away with it. And then here came Utah. And Utah wins the game 47-24. What did Utah figure out in that title game? Uh, If you punch USC in the mouth, they'll fold. And that's what happens. Uh... You know, USC in that title game goes up 14-3 pretty immediately. They get to, I think they were at the four or the five, 
and Clark Phillips had a great pass breakup on Jordan Addison in the end zone. And then at that point, I'm thinking that Lincoln Riley should go for it. Up 14-3, go for it. It's fourth and goal to three. You're stepping on their throat already. Go for it. If you get it, the game's over. They took the field goal. They go up 17-3. And you know, Utah hung in there, hung in there. They leaned on USC, you know, early, middle of the third quarter. And by the time you got to the fourth quarter, they broke USC. You know, scored 23 points. Uh, you know, rising to Thomas Yasmin for a 60-yard catch and run touchdown. Uh, Quinton Jackson, you know, with a 53-yard touchdown, you know, for, for the icing. So, you know, the the moral of that game was, yeah, if you hang around and you lean on USC and you win up front, you know, you, you know, you get a push, you punch them in the mouth, they're going to fold. And this is not this is not last year's Utah team, especially on offense. This is not rising and brand Keithy. Um, they're not going to score 45 points. They're not going to score 47 points, but they're tough, and they're going to, you know, and they can win up front. Okay, so for whatever problems, whatever warts this Utah offense has had, I'll tell you what: the most recent showing we have is them running for 317 yards and bludgeoning Cal and Bryson Barnes doing what he's asked to do. He's not rising. Okay, Bryson Barnes is being asked to look, kid, don't turn the ball over. And we need you to make a throw here and there. We're not going to ask you to throw it 35 times. We're going to ask you to throw it like 22 times, and you need to make a throw here and there. So um, I don't know. I'm kind of with you. I don't know that. I don't know that Utah is going to win this game, but I can't shake the feeling that Utah just has something on USC, and Utah is just built a little bit differently, right? Ready for the physicality, ready for a you know a proverbial war. I'm picking USC to win this game, but there's something about there's something about Utah against USC that I, I just can't shake as this week has gone along. Yeah, and I and I you know, USC fans got all over me and they said you don't understand USC. If they hadn't lost, then this is the game you pick against them, but because they lost another game, you can't pick against them and I'm like, well that's just crazy. That's you know, that's uh you know, is it, what's wrong with this team if that's the mentality of the team. So Give me an idea. Um, where are we at with Cam Rising, Brant uh, Keithy? Are they going to medically redshirt, or is there a chance that they come running out of the tunnel like you know Golden Joe or Willis Reed? I mean, you tell me. Yeah, I mean, you know, the medical redshirt stuff has kind of picked up steam here this week as we hit the midway point, and not only have we not seen like Rising or Keithy, there's not even like there's not even a lot of behind the scenes optimism that you're going to get either of those guys. Just you know they. You know, Keithy especially, you know, you would expect that Keithy would have been back already from, you know, from the knee injury from last September. You know, a setback, a setback, you know, a knee scope to clean things up. It just doesn't sound like he's he's all that close, and Rising doesn't sound like he's all that close either. Now, look, Rising has been, you know, you keep being told that, like, Rising is close, Rising is close, but, you know, then he goes, you know, on Bill Riley's radio show here in Salt Lake City and, you know, gave a, a better indication of what the injury was, right? He didn't just injure his knee in the Rose Bowl. Uh, he blew out his knee. Uh, you know, 10-month recovery, 12-month recovery. So, um, you know, you can't completely rule out Ryzen and Keithy, but with each passing week, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like there's a whole ton of optimism. So then you get into the medical redshirt stuff. And, you know, as, as you well know, John, you know, the medical redshirt, um, if, if they don't play at all, 
zero snaps, if they do not step on the field and play a snap, they are eligible to get a medical redshirt from the NCAA and come back for a seventh year. Now, Kyle Whittingham on Monday during his normal weekly press conference, you know, left the door open for that and admitted that, yes, that is on the table, that is a possibility, but that's all we have on this is Whittingham. We don't know if Rising wants to do that. We don't know if Keithy wants to do that. I think this game here Saturday, I mean, look, if you lose this game and you are at two conference losses and you are very likely not going back to the Pac-12 championship game, I think that plays a role if these guys would want to come back if they were ready at some point. So there's a lot going on here. Look, age, health, whatever draft stock there may be, NIL money, both of these guys are making a fortune in NIL. It would stand to reason that there would be more NIL money to be made in 2024, whether at Utah or somewhere else. Like, that's a fair that's a fair thing, okay? If they come back for a seventh year, it doesn't necessarily have to be at Utah. So um, I'm not, look, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not, I'm not quite sure what to think right now about this particular topic because there are just so many variables in play here for both of these guys. But I think how this game shakes out Saturday will be at least part of the decision-making process if Utah wins, if Utah loses, and if these guys are ultimately ready to get on the field at some point this season. Now, Utah won the games last year, and you're doing a hell of a job parenting your kid and doing this interview. So I appreciate you doing this. But I'm trying, baby. I'm trying. You're doing well. Like, Utah wins the games last year. And even though Caleb Williams had the you know bleep Utah on his fingernails, Utah got the last laugh. Is there any lingering bad feelings, though, with the Utah players as they look over at, at Caleb Williams? Uh, I don't think so. I don't. I mean, look, at least not publicly. I mean, there hasn't been a whole lot of talk about Caleb Williams at all this week, you know, with the exception of Kyle Whittingham uh, echoing things that he said before about how, how special this kid is. And in 40 years of coaching, whether it be an assistant or as a head coach, Caleb Williams is one of the hardest guys to to scout for and to deal with and to and to bring down. Um, you know, I try to I try to read everything across the Pac-12 landscape. I can tell you right now, there's not a whole lot of Caleb Williams USC talk about last year from the Utah side. And if you like listen to what Caleb Williams has said this week and what Lincoln Riley has said this week, there isn't a whole lot of Utah talk. Now, if we rewind back to Pac-12 Media Day back in July, um, Caleb Williams was. You know, didn't come out and say it, but he made it pretty clear that, like, this is a game that he has circled. Okay, if you look at how many how many losses the you know does Caleb Williams have in his college career, he has like six losses between Oklahoma and USC. Thirty three percent of that is to Utah. So you, you you know you can't tell me from Caleb Williams' you know perspective that this is just another game. It's not just another game. It's a team that beat you twice. It's a team that stopped you from going to the college football playoff. So I would expect Caleb Williams to show up, up at the Coliseum Saturday night uh, very ready to play uh, and very, very motivated to beat Utah based on what happened last year. All right. Utah doesn't have Cam Rising. It has been injured at, like, you know, 18 different positions. And yet I look up, and they're ranked 14th. They are 5-1. and one. They are still very much in this thing, aside from the loss to Oregon State. They've been pretty good, and they've found a way week to week. What the heck is going on? How are they finding a way? 
Well, let's just clarify things here. Um, you say they've been very, very good. Um, it's a it's a championship caliber defense to this point, and that is with 75% of the front four either missing either missing significant game time or being out entirely. So the champ, so the excuse me, so the defense has done its job and more. The offense has been abysmal. Um, they cannot throw the ball. Um, I think they've kind of bungled this backup quarterback situation between Bryson Barnes and Nate Johnson. You know, there were points where, like, Rising was getting all of the number one reps or the vast majority of the number one reps in hopes of, like, him getting cleared at the end of the week only to not get cleared. And then, hey, it's Thursday. Nate Johnson, you're starting after, like, not taking all the first-team reps. So, you know, between the quarterback situation, the running back room has been – pretty devoid of depth. There's been some real injuries there. Okay, you've got uh, Stioni Vaki, who's uh, all Pac-12 caliber safety, uh, stepping into the running back role now. He had 158 yards and two touchdowns last week against Cal, so that's a new element. So I think they, you know, maybe they got back to business versus Cal. Again, 317 yards rushing. They got a little healthier. They made a change or two along the offensive line. Uh, Bryson Barnes was, you know, solid. wasn't all world, but he was solid. So again, the offense as a whole through six games has been bad, but the most recent thing we've seen is them be pretty good. So if they can get, um, if they can get the typical defensive effort, okay, you're not gonna, you're not gonna stop Caleb Williams, okay? He's going to do some damage. But if you can stop him from running wild and get your typical defensive effort and get, I would say, if you get a comparable offensive effort, okay, where you are running the ball, controlling the clock, and winning up front all night, Utah has a real legitimate chance to walk out of there with a win. That's what I think. Yeah, people ask me, you know, I, I predicted I have Utah scoring 34 in this game. And they said, how can you pick that offense to score 34? And I, and I said, well, it's... Uh, USC is allowed, they're 113th in the nation in defensive first downs allowed. People move the ball on USC, and if if Utah can move the ball, running the football particularly against USC, I, I think they could give USC some trouble. Now, I don't know if 34 is enough to win it, but it makes it interesting. 34 is, and like I'm listening to you like speak, and I'm thinking about it, like 34 feels a little like wishful thinking. Just, again, just based on what this Utah offense has looked like on paper in a vacuum, 34 feels like wishful thinking, but this USC defense has been dreadful enough. I understand that they look better against Notre Dame, no doubt, but they have been dreadful. 34 is a big number. I, I'd be, I would be pretty surprised if Utah gets to 34, and if Utah does get to 34, I think you really finally ultimately have to question I think you have to question a couple of things. I think you have to question Alex Grinch's tenure as uh, as USC's defensive coordinator, but more so big picture, more generally, I really think you have to question the toughness of the culture that Lincoln Riley is building and whether or not he can really get this program to where it wants to go. Look, I think, and we had, you know, um, Josh Furlong and I do a, a twice-weekly, uh, yeah, twice-weekly podcast over on KSL.com, we had Luca Evans on today, right? He covers USC for the Orange County Register, and I thought I thought what Luca said was very, you know, was very good. Luca called this um, an inflection point for USC football, 
um, what it is, where it wants to go, what it wants to be, what Lincoln Riley is building. If, if, USC, if USC also lost to Notre Dame, if USC cannot at home be a Utah team that has almost no offense, that is a major, major big picture problem for, U, for, for USC's football program. This is a major inflection point for USC football on Saturday night, I think. So help me with this. Wishful thinking on, you know, I'm looking at Cal. And, you know, Utah gets 34 on Cal. How does that not translate in your mind to, a, you know, they can score in the 30s on USC? I think that Cal defense is a little better than USC's. Uh, oh, my God. I, maybe it's just a name thing. Like, am I... Am I sitting here thinking like, oh, you're USC, like you should be giving up 34 points? I know, I Is know, they I'm shouldn't doing? be. Yeah, yep. like, they shouldn't. What? But yeah, statistically, Cal defense. I, you know, I was looking at it today, and I was like, how many points is you Utah going to score? Now, granted, I saw Utah get seven against Oregon State, so it's in my head. Like, you know, you're right. Everything you're saying is in my head. But I'm going, can they do what everybody else is doing? You know, Arizona State got 28 on them. Can they get 34 on them? I don't know. And, and I don't know. What what do you expect Utah will get out of the quarterback on Saturday? And I'll let you go after this. What, do, what will they get at the, out of that position? One more time, John. Sorry. What, what will Utah get out of the quarterback position on Saturday? Oh, um, you know what? I think they're going to get something. And I've really thought this through. And, like, I watched the Cal game back. And I watched Bryson Barnes. And, like, Bryson Barnes um, – we know what he is, right? Look, he's not rising, and he's not perfect, and he's a little limited in things that he can do. But against Cal, what Andy Ludwig, the offensive coordinator, was asking Bryson Barnes to do was fine. You know, again, make a throw here and there, protect the ball, don't turn it over. And for the first time, he let Barnes go down the field once or twice. And he hit on, on, on uh, I think, one of those bombs, right? He hit one deep down the field uh, to uh, – near McLean in the second half. So if, if if Ludwig has a similar plan and he's keeping Barnes like in a comfortable position and if he if the running backs are doing their job and they're running the ball and you're getting four, five, six a clip from DeQuindon Jackson and you're not putting Barnes in a situation where he has to throw it forty times and he has to throw for two hundred and fifty yards, that's not who Bryson Barnes is. If you put Barnes in a similar position to Cal and just make him comfortable, I think he's going to be fine. I think they're going to get, yeah, you know what, as the week has gone on, I've talked myself into, I think they're going to get a solid, solid game from Bryson Barnes, just like, they, just like they did against Cal. And if you're getting a solid game from Barnes, that means that the rush, you know, like the rushing attack is doing yeah. its job, and if all those things are happening, Utah's going to be in this game. Not saying that they're going to win, but they're going to be in this game. Josh Newman, I hey, I'll see you in a couple weeks when Oregon visits Salt Lake City. I appreciate you popping on to, with us and uh, take care of that kid. All right, John, appreciate you. All right, there he is, Josh Newman. Stephen, I'm picking the Utes to upset USC. I don't believe in the Trojans, and you know maybe I've been watching too much of The Wire and Omar coming down the street with a shotgun and whistling uh, "Farmer in the Dell." Uh, you know, it, you, you, until I see. Utah beat by USC. I will pick Utah every time in that game. One of the best scenes in TV history, by the way, right there. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to pick Utah to win outright. I think this game is close. I'm a, I think I'm going to go with Utah on the points, but I think USC gets the win 
Caleb Williams, I don't expect him to have as bad a game as he did against Notre Dame. I, I think that was just a really off day for him. It was bad weather. I think Caleb bounces back a little bit and USC gets the win, but you're I, you're not wrong for thinking we'll that. Yeah, you're not wrong because we've seen USC's defense be really bad this season. So if Utah can score them, I think that says a lot about USC. I've got some thoughts on Oregon State and Jonathan Smith. Uh, can the Beavers keep him in the fold? We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but... If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.